Our text this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in the 17th verse. But in giving this instruction, I do not praise you, because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Therefore, when you meet together, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first, and one is hungry, and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this I will not praise you. For I received from the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. But if we judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged." But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord, so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that you will not come together for judgment. The remaining manners I will arrange when I come. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. A brand new year. Father, we don't know what's going to happen in the year 2023, but you already walked the road before us. Father, we pray that you give us courage, discernment, and boldness as we go out into the world and to be your witnesses. Father, I pray for every family that's represented here and for everyone within the sound of my voice. Speak to us, O God, and mold us and shape us into the image of your Son. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, Happy New Year! Oh, come on. Happy New Year! Today is the first day of 2023. Can you believe it? I would like to start by sharing a quote from somebody, Brad Paisley, he's an American country songwriter and singer. I'm going to change the first word from tomorrow to today, but here's the quote. Today is the first blank page of a 365-page book. Write a good one. Here we are on the beginning of a new year. My desire is as your pastor, as your fellow brother in Christ, to begin writing a good page for this year. I came across Isaiah 41.10. I thought about this as I think about the new year upon us. and What's happening as we watch the news? Listen, do not fear. This is the Lord speaking. For I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do not look anxiously about you. When you watch the news, you can be concerned. You need to pray. But don't get anxious about it. God is on his throne. God is 
moving and directing all human history to a certain point in time when His Son will return again. As we start this new year, we're going to start it by remembering what God has done. To remember is to be continually aware of something or thoughtful of something. And when we do that, as we remember what the Lord has done, this enables us to stop focusing on impossibilities and to focus on the God of the impossible, who does the impossible. Quit looking at the impossibilities. Look at the one where everything is possible. And as we remember what he has done, we're going to renew our commitment to him. To renew is to rejuvenate, to revive, to grow or begin again. And we're beginning by observing the Lord's Supper. It's a celebration of what God has done. But the Lord's Supper just doesn't look back at that moment in the upper room so many years ago, but also looks forward. Did you catch verse 26? As long as you take this, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we're going to turn our attention to the text, but verses 22 and 26, I want you to pay close attention to, but we need to look at it in context. So let's look back at verse 17 and 18. I do not praise you. I hear that divisions exist among you. Now these divisions were between the rich and the poor. Their divisive behavior was discriminating against the poor. And that's the very opposite of the essence of the Lord's Supper. The very antithesis for love for one another. Such behavior, this is not my words, but the words of the text, such behavior is to despise the church of God. Look at verse 22. Despise. Look down upon. And throughout the New Testament, we are told that the church is to be unified in faith. We are to love one another, have a common goal and a common purpose. We are to be one body. The church is the body of Christ. How many believers do we have here? Shout out by saying amen. Amen. You are the church. This building is not the church. This is where the church meets. But this building in by itself is not the church. You are the church. You are the church. We are the body of Christ. And we are to be under the authority of the head of the body, which is Jesus Christ. In the Greek, literally, Jesus the Christ, because Christ is not his last name. It is a title. It means Messiah. It means anointed one. He is the head. He's the one in direction of all this. And we are to take our commands from him, and be his legs and his arms and his feet as we go out and proclaim the gospel. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. I have many parts of my body. I have my hands, I have my eyes. Many of you know this, I'm blind in this left eye. I cannot see. I took it for granted so many years. You'd be surprised how much my death perception has changed because I don't have this left eye. I have my ears. My point being, each part of the body has its own function, but they all work in concert to one another to help you move about, to help you exist, to help you live. The human body is really a remarkable creation of God when you stop back and study it. But as a church, we have different members. You have gifts that God has given you. And you are to do that to edify, to build up the body. One part is not more important than the other. We need pastors. We need preachers. We need Sunday school teachers. We need VBS workers. We need witnesses. We need prayer warriors. All these things are important to edify or to build up the body. That's our job. I'm going to throw something at you. It's not my job as your pastor to do it. It's my job because I'm a believer in Christ. When we go out and I invite someone to come, or Rashonda invites someone to come, or Roger invites someone to come, they know we're staff. Oh, that's his job. But when you invite somebody, encourage somebody, or show up at a function, it speaks multitudes to them. 
Now, when you read the New Testament, you will find two main things that cause division in the church. One is false teachers. They show up and they cause strife. They cause all sorts of problems. And then you have people who are just selfish. They're self-centered. They put themselves above the well-being of their brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is what we see going on in Corinth. Look back at verses 20 and 21. When you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first. And one is hungry and another is drunk. Did you catch that? Apparently, they were bringing their own food or their own meals for the Lord's Supper. Someone eat their food, not thinking or caring about the people who are poor. Members in Corinth who could not bring or did not have any food. Some were bringing wine and drinking themselves so much they were getting drunk. While other members were hungry, didn't have enough. Completely disregarding their other brothers and sisters in Christ. And in verse 22, we see Paul's response. What? Do you not have your houses which to eat and drink? Or do you despise or look down on the church of God and shame or embarrass or humiliate those who have nothing? We are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And Christ is in the heart of every believer, and we are in Him. If you're a believer... Christ is in your heart. The Holy Spirit's in your heart. Jesus at the right hand of the Father interceding for you. See, we talk about Christmas, but do we really catch this? God is is not just come near to us. He has come to live among us and in us. That's the beauty of Christmas. Story. So to despise the church is to despise the very one who gave himself as a ransom. For the church. The church is Jesus' idea. If you despise the church, and you despise the one who set the thing up in the first place. And but the church is not brick and mortar, the church is human beings. Men and women, boys and girls. In verse 23 and following, he talks about the Lord's Supper. Look what he says in verse 23. I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. In or on the night in which he was portrayed. See, this was set up, this was initiated by Christ in a specific point in history. This is the night before he's going to be portrayed and crucified. This was his last meal that he was going to have with his disciples before his death. He goes on, he says, He was portrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this, and as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. See, the Lord's Supper is a memorial to what Christ has done. Therefore, when we partake of it, we are to look back At that moment in time, when Jesus had this supper with his disciples in the upper room, but the events that follow, the Garden of Gethsemane, he's arrested. He's taken to the authorities. As we look back, we need to think of his body that was broken for our sake. For your sake, for my sake. He did that for you. It reminds me of the prophecy found in Isaiah. Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 6. Listen. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, 
some translations, or by his wounds or stripes we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Do you really grasp that? Do I? What the Lord did when he took that all upon himself. We should remember the pain, the anguish, and the suffering that he endured. We should reflect what it means that he took on the whole wrath of God against sin. So that we can put our trust in him and we can be saved. We can escape the coming judgment of God and his wrath against sin. Not because of anything we've done, because what he did by laying his life down. Do you remember that he endured it all because of Tim's sin? Because of your sin? For the sin of the world knowing that not everyone would come to him and accept that free gift. And as we look back and remember on that night and everything that will follow, we can look forward with great anticipation. Verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus is coming again. Did you hear what I said? Jesus is coming again. Nothing that we're seeing on the news surprises the Lord God. Nothing catches him off guard. He's exactly where things, things, it's what he wants. Our job is, despite our circumstances, to be faithful to his calling that he's placed on our lives. Now we come to a warning here. Verse 27, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But a man, by the way, that's anthropos, it means mankind, so ladies, you're included, must examine himself. And in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. To you, me, we are to examine our compliance with the covenant as reflected in the way that I relate to other people of the community. What I mean by that? How am I relating to Paul over here as my brother in Christ? Is there something between us that we need to take care of? That's what he's talking about, the body, the body of Christ. So if you have anything, against your brothers and sister. If you don't take care of that before you come to the table, Lord, the Bible says that you're drinking judgment and eating judgment unto yourself. None of us in this room are perfect. None of us. But what sets us apart is our willingness to confess and repent and forgive one another. See, the world scratches their head on that. They, They can't understand that how we can forgive, how we can be that way with each other. We must examine ourselves in light of Christ's sacrifice for all. Did he put any conditions down? What what do you need to do for salvation? Call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Repent. Come as you are. Let, he'll clean you up. He says, just come to me and let me clean you with my blood. There's no condition there, is there? Aren't you glad when you approach God and you've been convicted so passionately about a, a particular sin and, and finally when you confess it and you lay it down at God's feet, does he say, well, you know what? I don't think you're serious enough. You have to do that. No, he doesn't, he doesn't do that, does he? There might be consequences that he doesn't take away. But if we are faithful and just to confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and what? And cleanse us from all unrighteousness, says that in Peter. That's the promise that we have. But this is a warning. And it has real consequences for not heeding it. Look at verse 30. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick 
and a number sleep, i.e., some have passed away, some are dead now. They had despised the church of God because they were not considerate and caring for their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he goes on to give final instructions for partaking of the Lord's Supper, verses 33 and 34. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that you will not come together for judgment. So they completely mistrewed the Lord's Supper. They didn't understand what was going on. This is the reason why we're doing this now. Because I'm not above you. I have to examine my heart. Let me tell you guys, I've been examining my heart for the last three or four days. I don't like some of the things he showed me. But you catch that in the text? We are disciplined by the Lord. We're judged, we're disciplined. Why? Because he doesn't want me to be condemned wrong or wrong. He disciplines you. He convicts you because he cares about you enough not to leave you in that condition. He's trying to get you to repent from that so he can change you into the image of his son. If he didn't care about you, didn't love you, he'd just let you go your own way. Not worry about it. We're the same way as parents, right? If your child is trying to put their finger in an electric socket, are you going to sit there and reason with the child? You know, little Bob, you shouldn't put your finger in there. It has electricity. It could really hurt you. And the child goes, well, let me ponder that, Father, and I'll get back to you. No, we won't even say, we'll go, no, and hit his hand away, right? Because you want that child to be hurt. God is the same way. So as we prepare to partake of the Lord's Supper this morning, we need, we must take a moment to examine ourselves. Do you understand the bread represents the Lord's body that was broken for you? That was beaten beyond recognition for you? That was nailed to a cross for you? Because of your sin? Do you understand that the juice represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for you? And by his blood we can be forgiven of our sin and washed whiter than snow. Do you understand that the person sitting next to you, in front of you or behind you, are your brothers and sisters in Christ? The same way as many churches here in Forestburg and Bowie and St. Joe and Alvor and Decatur and Wichita Falls, Monte County, Clay County, State of Texas, all these people coming together are our brothers and sisters of Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ. If they receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they're a part of the body of Christ, all equally valuable in the sight of the Lord. We should love them as we love ourselves because we're all part of the same body. Do you understand as we look back and remember, renew our commitment as we're looking forward to the day when our Lord Jesus will return? We're going to take some time now. We'll have a song praying. Let us break bread together. Come on up, Charlie. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to do one thing, if you will. We take this time to examine, spend time with God, and maybe you need to go with some individual. I'm going to ask you, if you would, that we all kind of move to the middle as we, as brothers and sisters of Christ, are coming before the Lord's table. You realize we'll spend eternity with one another. We're a family. This is your time and our time. Heavenly Father, we come before you humbly. Father, we ask that you examine our hearts. See if there's any wicked way in us that we may 
confess and repent. We thank you as we look back to what you have done and even now what you currently are doing among us. Speak to us, O God. May your Holy Spirit continue to move in this place. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let us break bread together on our knees. Let us break bread together on our knees. When I fall on my knees with my face to the rising sun, oh Lord, have mercy on me. drink wine together on our knees let us drink wine together on our knees when I fall on my knees with my face to the rising sun Oh, Lord, have mercy on me. Let us praise God together on our knees. Let us praise God together on our knees. When I fall on my knees with my face to the rising sun, oh Lord, have mercy on me. This represents the body of Christ. That was broken for you, broken for me. Think back to that day. What he did for us all. And as you retake it, do it in remembrance of him. This represents the blood of Christ that was spilled for me, spilled for you, for your forgiveness of sins. The book of Hebrews tells us without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sin. Drink it and remember his blood that was shed for you. and Do this in remembrance of of him. we can
kind of include partaking. I want you to join with me in singing the song. Give me Jesus. Think about the words of this song in light of what we've just partook in. Sing with me. In the morning when I rise in the morning year 2023 has in store give me Jesus I want to share a video with you as we kind of pivot now we've looked back at what God has done and what he's doing what he's promised to do in the future but how about as a church I hope this video will inspire you but also challenge you
and we'll stay down here because I just want to share a few things as we go on the conclusion of our service. Did you catch some of the quotes? Maybe this year, walk through the rooms of our lives, not looking for flaws, but for potential. Church, start looking for flaws. What's wrong? What's negative? Not necessarily sweeping underneath the rug, but instead of focusing our attention on that, let's look at the potential. This body has a lot of potential. We have people moving this way. We have a great digital presence. We have wonderful prayer warriors. We have an excellent children's ministry, youth as well. We have lots of opportunity. Instead of focusing on the negative, focus on the positive. I want to live for J.P. Morgan. Decide that you're not going to stay where you're at. Church, we want to stay where we're at right now. We want to continue to grow and push forward. I want to continue to grow. I want to become more like his son. Stay away from what might have been and look at what can be. Stop looking back with rose-colored glasses and look towards the future. What does God have in store for this body? What is he wanting to do? And I'll tell you right now, what he wants to do is far beyond anything we can imagine. How about 2 Corinthians 5, 17? Perhaps one of my favorite verses of the Bible. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creature. He is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Just to share some things with you, as we look back, our general offering for the year 2022 was around $188,000. Our Lottie Moon offering, $2,335. That's money going to missionaries on the field. Our Annie Armstrong offering was $100. Our Wednesday night meal meal offerings, $2,645. That's not including all the food that's been donated through all this time. I'm not just talking about money for money's sake. I want you to see what God's doing, what he has done. VBS attendance, we averaged 56 kids per VBS, and we got up to 71 was the highest. 34 kids and 4 adults went to Camp Copus. Blast right now is averaging 55 kids a night. And we're feeding anywhere between 80 to 100 people every Wednesday night. Uh, The youth, 14 students attended Impact from our church. But we had attendance of 204 with multiple volunteers from churches and community. If you didn't come here for impact, that's a huge endeavor that God helped us pull off. Would you say that? And we're definitely going to see the impact of that, no pun intended with the name, as the years go on. Do you realize the positive uh, reputation this church has out in the community? Go talk to the school. Start with the uh, superintendent. We have the AD sitting over here to my right, to your left. Talk to him. Oh, there's a principal right there in front of me. (laughs) Our new principal for this year. I'm sorry, Trey. Sorry, brother. Yeah. But we're so blessed in that school. We have a lot of people in that school who are Christians and are not afraid to share their faith with those kids. Wednesday night youth, 80 to 20 kids. Spring break mission trip, two adults and eight students. Beach camp, two adults and ten students. They partners with uh, Life Church, 242 on that. I'm going to have to go next time you go to the beach. That sounds like fun. <laughs> 160 boxes were sent for Operation Christmas Child. 16 students and adults went to the Operation Christmas Child Processing Center. We had four baptisms, and we had three new members join. We're not dying. Amen. We're, not, we're not plateaued. 
We're only see, we're just down the runway now. We're starting to pull up on that yoke right now. We're around that critical time. We're going to start lifting. I'm telling you, I want to encourage you this morning. I don't know what this year is going to bring. But I do know this. As we remember and renew our commitment, if we stay committed to him, regardless of what may happen, is it going to be difficult? Yes, it's going to be difficult. Let me challenge yes, there is. And I think as time goes on, it's going to be more difficult to share our faith in our country. But despite all that, we are to remain true to the calling that God's placed on us as individuals and as a church body. Or as the, the video pointed out, forgive what is done. Forget the past. It's gone. Learn from it, but it's gone. Forgive what is done. Repent what you must. Now, please hear my heart. Forestburg Baptist Church, you are not your past. God is your future. Amen. You are not your past. God is your future. That rings true to us as a community of faith, but also as individual believers. We should learn from the past, but don't let the, the past define who we are. I'm going to end with Jeremiah 29.11. Many of you know this verse, but take that verse in context. They were going off into captivity in Babylon for quite some time. And in the middle of all that, you have this promise found in verse 11 of Jeremiah 29. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. They're told that as we're going to captivity. God has a plan for us, for a future and for a hope, not for calamity, despite what we see happening around us, despite the news that we hear. We do know where we're all headed, right? What the end goal is. What's the end goal? You can say it with some more conviction in heaven. That's where we're all headed. And our job, our mission, our heartbeat, the breath that we bring in should be the gospel of Jesus Christ that we share with everybody we possibly can. Not just by leading them through and showing them the scriptures, but also by how we act how we treat each other. I saw a glimpse of this on Christmas Eve. Were you here? You see how people from all over the community came? Now, I'm not saying I want them to join. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying people are coming together and they're sharing their faith. We need to treasure that. We need to promote that. And stream it from the rooftops. Because in our country today that's so divided, what binds us together is stronger than any political party. It's the blood of Christ. Don't ever forget that. So my challenge to you, what is God giving you and how are you going to apply that gift to help build the body? Instead of looking around, well, someone needs to do that, perhaps you need to look at, well, God's called me to do that. You know what? He's going to call you to do things that you're going to feel so, I can't do that. He'll equip you. He's just wondering and waiting for you to step up. You ever occurred to you the reason he's calling you to do that is because he created you and he knows you anyway. He knows you can do it if you would just get out of the way. And that's what I want to end with. There is nothing stopping us, church. Nothing stopping us. The only thing stopping us is ourselves. Quit listening to the voice of the enemy and listen to the voice of truth. Good things are in store for us. And no matter what happens, wouldn't it be wonderful to hear on that day well done, thy good and faithful servant. Wouldn't that be wonderful?
we are called to remain faithful. And I stress this. Church attendance does not, coming to church, is, gathering as a church does not get you into heaven, but it's vitally important to help us remain faithful to him and to each other. We still have freedom to do that in this country openly. I fear that we won't recognize that until it's too late and they put it against the wall. We're going to end by singing a very popular hymn, one you know by heart. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Go ahead, Steve. Amen. Amen. <laughs> brother it blesses my heart to see you here this morning glad that you're here and glad that things are going well and you are in our prayers and thoughts as always would you stand with me please and charlie if you lead us amazing grace amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was, was lost, but now I'm found. But now I see was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the I first Almighty God, we thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you that you do not leave us in our own sin and shame in the darkness, but you sent your Son to pay the price we can never pay. And Father, as we go out into this, into our community and our county and our daily lives, Father, may we be witnesses for you. May we be a beacon of your light, a beacon of your hope. Father, help us to take and seize every opportunity you give us to share with people. 
May they see it reflecting in our lives the way we treat each other, the way we love each other. May we indeed be known by our love and living by our faith. Father, once again, I pray for one in the sound of my voice. I pray that you wrap your loving arms of peace and love around each one. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his countenance to look upon you and give you peace. And God's people said, Amen.